0: Welcome back party people to the place everybody wants to be, you know it, you love it, it of course is Victory Lane. Today is episode 91, we got our second part of two installments of our conversation with Julia Landauer, the most interesting woman in motorsports as I call her, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, champion, race car driver, jet setter, uh, I don't know, all around great gal. Literally, I think Hannah Newhouse put it perfectly for listening, Hannah. Hello, miss you. Basically, what did she say? She said, I want to be Julia Landauer when I grow up. I said, yeah, get in line because if you don't aspire to do and be everything that Julia embodies, then you got something wrong with you. But there's our second installment of our interview with her. But before we get to that, we're paying homage to one of the great names in racing. He's a Hall of Famer with a specific interesting name, an animal along the way. My dad has more on these different times.
1: Thank you, Duve, and hello, everybody. Today, we remember number 91 in a pioneering NASCAR racing family. 325 cup starts for the 91, including 16 wins. All of those came from NASCAR Hall of Famer, Tim Flock. Tim, along with his brothers, Bob and Fonte, championship racers in their own rights as well as his sister ethel mobley who we've talked about before she was the second woman to ever drive in a nascar race were known as the flying flocks like a lot of stock car racers in the 40s and 50s the fonti boys were known as much for running moonshine as they were for winning races the star of the family on the track though was tim He scored 39 wins over his 13-year career, 16 of which came in the 91 car. He was the NASCAR Cup champion in 1952 and 1955, but if you ask anyone what they remember about Tim Flock, they'll likely mention his co-driver for a handful of races in 1953. That year, as a publicity stunt, Flock and his 91 team put a rhesus monkey they nicknamed Jocko Flacco in a mini driving suit with the number 91 on the back and strapped him into a passenger seat next to Tim. What do I keep telling you? Say it with me. They were different times. On May 16, 1953, Jocko Flacco became the only winning monkey ever in NASCAR when Tim won the race at Hickory Speedway. The fans ate it up but Jocko Flacco's career was short-lived. Two weeks later at Raleigh, Jocko wriggled loose from his seat and pulled open the trap door drivers used to check wear on their right front tire. Yes, I'm serious. A pebble bounced up from the track and hit Jocko, which sent the excitable primate into a frenzy and forced him to pit to remove him. The pit stop cost Flacco a second-place finish, and the prize money that went with it. That was enough to put an end to Jocko Flacco's ride-along racing career. That's just crazy. A month before his death in 1988 from throat and lung cancer, Tim Flock was named one of NASCAR's 50 greatest drivers. He was inducted into NASCAR's Hall of Fame in 2014. That's all for this week, Duve. Are you going through Kachiga withdrawal yet? I think your mother is Kachiga back to you.
0: Thank you for the Kachiga mom. It always makes me chuckle. And yeah, I didn't uh, know. I didn't know that that's how Jocko Flacco's racing career, if you want to call it that ended or really started. And I didn't think that he was actually in the car while he was racing. But again, the more, you know, different times. So pops, thank you for that way back segment. Let's start off this episode as we always do with a good, old-fashioned yeah. I've teased it a couple times. Here it is, part two of our conversation. Just as good, if not better than the first part. Wheel and Euro Series driver, extraordinary all-around woman, Julia Landauer. Let's stick with racing. Let's talk about the Euro Series. And people may know you recently from your, your days there and competing this past season there. Posted a ton of good pics on Instagram and Twitter. Unfortunately, you were masked up for all of them, but I know you were smiling yeah. under, those, under that mask every single time. How did that opportunity in general come about? Because I think I speak for everybody when I say getting the opportunity to race cars in Europe... Yes, please.
2: I'm cool. Yeah. Um, so actually people, people from NASCAR who were around during the K and N days, you know, had suggested back then, like, Oh, you should look at the Euro series. And it's like, "Eh, okay, I'm focused on, you know, focused on NASCAR in the States right now. Um, and then it was, you know, 2018 and 2019 were very slow for me. I ran a handful of races in the Pinty series, both Mm -hmm. those years. Um, part time is just so hard. And, uh, you know, I was looking just realistically, what do I feel like I can raise the budget for that will allow me to be in a competitive ride. And so it was a combination of people from NASCAR who helped me get, I, <clears throat> excuse me, get connected with Anthony Kumpin from, from PK car sport in the Euro series. And they're so competitive, multi-time champions in both divisions and speak English really well. And that's a big thing. Cause not all the teams speak English. That's very a plus. <clears throat> yep. Um, and so we just, you know, worked out the details, worked out the budget, worked out kind of what the whole season includes and expectations and was able to go there. So it was really cool. And it was so luxurious to know what I was doing. Like we announced in like early January of 2020. And so it was just so nice to have that locked in. Obviously, it did not play out exactly how I would have liked, but it's a really cool series. And the car is so different. The car is a lot lighter. It's like twenty seven hundred pounds, I think, as a stock mm. car, and four hundred horsepower. And, um, and we race in the rain, and we use rain tires. And yeah. uh, there's a lot of rain in Europe in the fall. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and um, it was it was challenging. These the guys are so good. Like the these you know the racers go to these tracks every year and. They're, it's like you think of like the really specialty road course drivers who come into NASCAR. And it's like everyone in the field is like that. Yeah. So <laughs> it was really cool.
0: And you're the new girl too. So it's like you're going up against these drivers that have tons of experience in the cars on these <laughs> tracks with this specific package that they're using, and you're coming in pretty much cold turkey. So you were behind the eight ball.
2: Totally cold turkey because I didn't get to do the preseason testing either. Yeah. Because- um, with Europe you know there are so many restrictions and Europe has a 90 a day limit for visas so we didn't even know if the series like I didn't book my flight to Europe ex- until it was like a week before the race so it was very last minute and I do not <laughs> like very last minute but we made it work um, so I knew that I couldn't reliably go in Europe and stay in Europe with testing because of, of the limit for how I could be there so we decided not to do the preseason testing so we get to Italy and they have this extra practice day but you know, my, my, we didn't have enough foam to fill up a, the seat insert to mm-hmm. share with my teammates Dinas, So it was like, that was awful. And then I just I had to learn the car. I had to learn the car and the track. And it's very different. And we did okay um, that first race. But it took it took all the seasons and or the whole season. And um, by Valencia, got my first overall podium, which was great. But yeah, I know that if we had the three additional races that the original series called for, those would have been my three races. Cause it's just, I got rusty in the two yeah. years that I was not really racing. Um, and I was on a type of racetrack that is very different. And so, yeah, it was an uphill battle, but the team was super great. My teammates were fantastic. Um, I just couldn't have asked for a better season except if I had gotten a win, but
0: we'll yeah. try to go back to that. We got that P three finish late in the year. I think you finished fifth in elite two points. Is that right?
2: Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is the high finish for an American and, in- And neither of the divisions, which is
0: really cool. Hell yeah. So, I mean, all things considered, especially with the unpredictability that the season had with the pandemic and just coming in cold turkey, like you said, I know you wanted to win, but I think overall, like this is a pretty damn good season for you. You should be pretty proud of yourself for that.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it was good. It was was good.
0: I also want to clear something up. So you posted a picture. I I think it was probably when you finished third and got on the podium. Your trophy that you had – said lady trophy on it now i just get this out of the way first like is this like a compliment or was this just something that like gets lost in translation because like personally i like looked at it and i was like okay that's like problematic is this a sexist thing or is this actually like an honor like, I was confused.
2: Let me clarify. So, Please. if you're on the regular podium, it just says third place. But they kind of have a championship within the championship. So, in Elite 1, they have the – I think they have, like, the – they have the regular championship. They have the junior trophy. So, there's, like, a separate division for anyone okay. under five, I think. And then in Elite 2, they have the challenger – no, it's the challenger trophy. I forget. It's, like, the people who are 40 and over, and then they have a – I get what you're saying, role. Yeah. Um, so it's like a it's its own thing within the series. Okay. So anything that said lady trophy just means that I was the highest finishing woman in that race. Okay. There was um, another woman, Ariana, who was in every every race. Mm-hmm. And then in Valencia, we had another woman as well. Um, and so yeah, but that podium was awkward because there are the trophy girls there. I'm like, I need trophy boys for the lady trophy. <laughs> like, let's be real, like we need some dudes. On the trophy for this trophy specifically, but I'll still work positioning for that.
0: It's all right. A lot of unprecedented stuff happened this year. I think next year is going to be a little unprecedented as well. Let's get some trophy boys out there. What do you say?
2: Exactly. exactly. I'm sure plenty of people would enjoy it.
0: Oh, 100%. All the female fans watching, if you're streaming in the U.S., if you're in the stands over there, if you're in Valencia or Italy, wherever, exactly. I mean be a big hit hell yeah I'm, I'm for it I volunteer <laughs> awesome.
2: nobody that's probably, that's nobody that's probably, that's probably
0: wants me but if you want to send me to Europe to give a trophy <laughs> well, to you I'll do it
2: for the team yeah that's right
0: all right good glad we got that under control <laughs> well, so you that also, yeah so you also posted something on Instagram that I thought was pretty good introspective it said I didn't know what it would be like to live across the ocean for three months with my French only speaking family during a global pandemic to go racing in a new car on all new tracks, quite an adventure. And while I'm sure I'd choose, I'm not sure I'd choose to have done it this way. I'm really grateful it's worked out. And I think that kind of sums up what this year on and off track was like for you, but also everybody just making the best out of a really shitty situation that we were dealt to no fault of our own.
2: Yeah. And I, you know, I, Feel very lucky that you know I, I definitely had some very low points personally, and you know with the pandemic, just so many people dealt with loss and dealt with grieving yeah. um, in, in in a lot of different capacities. <clears throat> but overall, like I maintained my health, my my loved ones maintained their health, and uh, so I feel very lucky with that. But it was really hard, and it was really hard. Um, my my boyfriend's French, so I was living with his family, um, but he couldn't go there because he wouldn't be allowed back in the states with his visa so it was a fascinating social experiment to live with his family for three months um Mm -hmm. and they don't speak english so i had to learn french and so that was exhausting in and of itself um you know full-time having to do that um but and navigating you know a different culture and you know they had they had lockdowns there and so like for more than half the time i was there france was in a lockdown so it really limited what I could do. Um, So it was really challenging. But, you know, Anthony kept telling me, it's like, those who push through and those who make it are going to be that much stronger. And like, you're being so corny, but I know that you're right. It's (laughs) miserable right now. And I know my teammate, Alon, who's from Israel, he was also living in Europe for the four months. And And so like we, you know, sharing just like what was challenging and um, the lack of familiarity with anything was hard. Um, And even things like the food's really different. The growth, like it was so much work to go to the grocery store if I couldn't find something I needed. Like I didn't necessarily have the vocabulary. It's just such a
0: culture change.
2: Oh, yeah. like I had Google Translate a lot, but it takes time and it's like they lose their patience pretty quickly, which I get, I get. But um, no, but it was. It was really cool. I've never been able to live in Europe. Like, I didn't study abroad or anything. So to be able to do that was really cool. Um, I did get to travel, safely travel a little bit before the lockdown hit. Um, And racing in Europe is so cool. And the only thing I wish was that, you know, we had our own, like, bubbles with the team. So we really couldn't interact with other drivers except for at the podium. So I would have liked to get to know more people in the series. But um, it was so cool. And it was just, like, really Really awesome to just kind of be able to experience yet another different culture within racing. Like I started in go karts, and then I did Formula car stuff in the states, yeah. then NASCAR in the states, then NASCAR in Europe, and it's just it's I I feel so lucky.
0: Yeah, it's just eye opening experiences one after another. So that's that's really cool. And let's let's move on to the motivational aspect that I want to touch on with you because as you said, like the pandemic sucked, and there's been a lot of things that have happened to no fault of anybody. A lot of loss, a lot of grieving, a lot of just introspective conversations to have with yourself, with other people. And you admitted that you've gotten down a little bit here and there. So how do you pick yourself up? How do you keep going? How do you look at the bright side, see the light at the end of the tunnel? Because you're the one that's supposed to be telling everybody else that everything's going to be okay and that we can do it and that you got to believe in yourself. But how do you tell that to yourself, especially in a strange time like this? Dude, that's so
2: real because <clears throat> this year I was like, oh my gosh, I now have to really actively practice what I preach cuz yeah. the most part like a lot of what I share with people are lessons that I've learned. And so there's stuff that I've been aware of for a long time that I've worked on. I'm overall a very optimistic person and like see the potential in everything and that keeps me going and that keeps mm-hmm. me it helps me maintain enthusiasm to continue um but this year was really hard. Um, you know, I you know, for, and when I say loss and grieving, it can be of a person, it can be of a career. It can be of, you know, plans that you had set for yourself. And I think it's so important to let yourself feel what you have to feel. If it's extreme pride and being happy, then feel that if it's extreme heartbreak, like let yourself feel that. Um, and then you can really move on quicker, I think, but I had to do all the little stuff. I Maintaining exercise was super important. You know, being able to FaceTime my friends a lot more was, was really important. And I think being, I think what this year did for so many of us was really test how much we can adapt and maintain like our, you know, what we want out of life. And for me, it was really challenging from a professional standpoint because like I wasn't able to go racing and the motivational speaking, which is how I pay my bills stopped. Mm -hmm. It stopped for a few months before people really pivoted to virtual. So, so much of what I've done was like, Okay, my backup plan of, you know, wasn't working. And so it was just like, you know, being on your toes and figuring out what do I need to do? What are other positions I can take? What are other avenues I could work with? So honestly, it was a lot of talking with friends. It was a lot of talking with my family. I journaled a lot. So it was a lot of just like hashing out how I was feeling, um, but it was challenging and it was really about like, you know, taking it day by day. And it you know we talk about survival mode and I very much experienced survival mode on Survivor where it's like you literally just focus on what's in front of you. And I think yeah. that's what you have to do in these kind of prolonged negative times is focus inward, focus on the little things you can do every day that will either make you happy, feel productive, whatever that is, and um, lean on people who care about you.
0: Mental notes. I'm making them. I will take all those to heart. Thank you for that. Motivational speaker, Julia. Um, It also is hard to just stay positive when you're in a position in racing specifically where there's been a lot thrown at you in a little amount of time and being a female motorsports, it can help in certain ways and it can be a hindrance in other ways. But I know that you specifically have always taken a great deal of pride being a female in motorsports and NASCAR specifically always, and Lynn St. James was a big mentor of yours. Um, yeah. I know Danica Patrick was in the cup series and competing in the national series divisions as you were kind of working your way up in K and N Haley Deegan. Now is one of the rising stars, Brittany Zamora. She's competing in the architess Daytona. And there's been, you know, a handful of others here and there in NASCAR sports cars, IndyCar, a ton. You know, we don't have yeah. time to name all of them, but taking well, pride doing, in that.
2: I don't have time to name all of them. That's a good improvement
0: yeah i know that is good um but that's another thing i want to talk about like it's becoming more normalized across the board right but it still is not yet normalized i don't know if we're ever going to get there i'm curious as to your thoughts on that and if you think that you're never going to get to that place where females in motorsports are normal is that okay like is is that something that we should be striving for to become more normalized or is it okay to accept the fact that you know what It's never going to be one of those majority things, and it's never going to be something that's looked upon as normal because of the stereotypes associated with NASCAR motorsports specifically, the barriers to entry, things of that nature. How do you feel about all that? I know I just threw a lot at you.
2: No, great question. Yeah, so like, I don't expect in my lifetime to see 50-50 men and women in majority of racing fields or uh, yeah, racing fields. Um, that being said, I think we are, it is going to be normal to see at least a woman, if not two in most races. And you, you see that now, And you know, in Europe, I was exposed to a lot, many more series that are going on. And so in sports cars and endurance car racing and rally racing, you see a lot more women. And there are things like the extreme E series, which is like one man, one woman yeah. driver. And the people have their thoughts about that, I think it's fantastic. Cause and that's the other thing that's so cool. is like, you know, if, if women have the opportunity to show that in the same equipment, they can be competitive or not, but like be competitive, there we go. And I mean, racing is tough because it's so sponsorship driven as we've said. Um, So there are high barriers to entry that are not fair or necessarily merit based anyway, but I do think it's going to be normal to see a handful of women in each series. And I think that that's really cool. I think that's great. I think, um, I, you know, I'm all about taking the little victories where you get them. And so I'm it's so exciting and it's so much different now than it was even when I was racing. You know, when I when I started K and N in twenty sixteen, there have been the Kenzie Rustins and Joanna Longs and yeah. um, you know, Kristen Bombera's, but you know, they weren't regular and now just I guess now we're five years later but like four four and a half years later you see several so that's like a decent improvement you know over a short period so i think that i hope that that will snowball and you'll see more of that
0: and obviously haley's going to be in trucks this year jennifer joe cobb's been around in the truck series for a handful of years i'm going to throw a name at you that you probably haven't heard in a long time and i guarantee you in any interview you've done probably have not heard this name but when i was doing research the other day nicole behar came to mind. And yeah. she came to mind because I've stumbled upon this, um, Pixar video on YouTube that you were a part of with, I think, um, the, the little girl's name was Carrie Jo. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it was with Carrie Jo at orange show. That's funny. Um, and you know, it was basically, you know, with Pixar and promoting cars three, but also talking about women empowerment and racing specifically. And she had a really cool pink dragster. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, so I, I just want to throw that out because I haven't heard Nicole's name in a long time and I, for, no you probably haven't either.
2: Yeah. I think she, you know, I think she stopped after 2017, 2017, I think. I think so. The series. Um, but yeah, I mean, she obviously was super competitive also. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was really cool with Carrie Jo. So she was a two time cancer survivor at age 12, like really crazy. Like, life dealt her a rough one um but she did drag racing so she got to come out to the track and see the racing and, and Disney you know sponsored this and it was really cool um and you just you know you see how much of an impact you know people are like oh some people think that we don't need to talk about diversity we don't need to emphasize being a woman and there's no right way to be a woman in racing or women in male-dominated field like literally whatever works for you do it um but i always found that i got excited when i saw someone that looked like me in a situation that i didn't expect to see for someone sure. and it gave me it opened up my mind to think okay i can do this and i think that's so important whether it's for little girls or minorities or people who have disabilities you know whatever it is if you can see that you can do it like it's i think it, it makes it a, a difference and you know, whether it's my speaking or racing or anything if i can go out and do something and it helps one person gain confidence or one person feel like they can try something that's huge that's huge and yeah. so it you know it i'm glad that i can see that it's more than just myself it's more than just about me and my career and stuff and it it helps I feel like it helps put it in perspective in the grand scheme because we can be so hard on ourselves and we can be so critical and we, you know, we all have goals, especially as racers, we want to make it to the top. And so whether or not you make it, you know, it'll suck. If you don't, it's great if you do, but there's so many little victories along the way yeah. that remembering those is is good for everyone's mental health at this point, I think.
0: Yeah. Got to take the small victories where you can get them. And also like, you know, an impact, like you said, seeing, people that look like you, that act like you, things of that nature. Like you've seen a tangible impact with that, not just with the Carrie Joe example, but also, as I mentioned, like there are more females coming into NASCAR specifically and the barrier of entry has not gotten easier. Like it's gotten tougher, if anything, especially with COVID. So Mm -hmm. seeing that tangible impact that you've had. And I know in the Euro series, I think there was another female that raced with you in elite two as well this year for a handful of races, as you mentioned. So like, it's, it's becoming better and more normalized, but there still is work left to be done. And even so, like, you know, I've heard a lot of stories about fans getting into the sport because they hadn't seen a black driver before and they saw Bubba and now they watch. And I saw this morning and, you know, I apologize for not knowing the name, but the first openly LGBTQ driver is going to be competing in the test and possibly a couple of truck races this year, too. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So like things are happening. Things are the good things are happening. The wheels are turning. And, um, I think you have a a big part to do with that. So congrats on that. that's very A couple more things and I'll let you run. I thank you so much for your time.
2: Oh, of course. This is so fun.
0: Good. Um, I wonder what your feelings were being mentioned on the Forbes 30 under 30 list in 2017, because that is something that is so far like out of comprehension for me. Like I just, I can't even comprehend being even mentioned on that list. And you were mentioned on it, I guess, four years ago now at this point. So back then, and even now, like looking back on it, because you're still under 30, you know, what was it like being mentioned on that list? Because that is as prestigious as it gets.
2: It was huge. 2016 was a huge year for me. It was great.
0: Um, Year of Julia. (laughs) Yeah. The year of Julia, 2016.
2: Oh, yeah, it was definitely a good one. Good one for sure. Um, yeah, no, it was really cool because I clearly remember also I had given a talk. I think I was in Florida or I was in South Carolina giving a talk and I came out and, you know, I don't look at my phone for a while when I'm giving a talk until I'm like done and out of the venue. And um, I saw my friend had texted me like, oh my God, you're on the 30 under 30 list. <laughs> like, wow. And um, I think what was really cool was a couple of things. It was one being recognized for kind of just the hustle that I had put in. Um, that was really cool. And I think it was also cool because, you know, NASCAR is pretty niche. It's not particularly mainstream in a lot of ways for these lists, which are, which, you know, focus on like tech startups and finance and, you know, kind of like wellness stuff. And so I thought it was really cool to be niche like that. And, um, And just like then the opportunities I got to attend the conference and meet all these other people. And I was able to connect with other younger people who were doing really cool stuff. And, you know, it was it was a really special opportunity. So I'm very proud of that. And I appreciate the recognition.
0: So we've gone over a lot of things. And one thing that I I skipped over, but I didn't mean to was the motivational speaking aspect of things. And TEDx, Um, Mm -hmm. I wrote down the name of your first TEDx speech that you had, it was called can nice girls win races? And I think that's an interesting jumping off point. So can you tell us like how that whole thing started for you? Did you want to be a motivational speaker? Did it come organically because of just who you are and your personality? Like how did that avenue start for you?
2: Yeah. So when I got to college, I started just volunteering. I found local girls camps. Like some of them were science camps. Some were just you know girls camps. Mm-hmm. And I just volunteered to share my story and speak if that would be valuable to the yeah. camps i've been doing a little of that just you know for free for fun um and then when i was at stanford they asked they put on a tedx event every year and they asked me if i would give a talk i was like yeah definitely i'm happy to try that and we got no. to work with um we got to work with a like a communication storyteller first coach basically so she was able to help me think about how to how to narrate a story how to make that arc and like convincingly tell a story that was entertaining and still valuable and still true to me so i was so nervous before my talk and they film it and it's like you know it was in a highly intellectual environment i was like well i know i'm smart but like all the people in the audience are really smart so like you know oh it's it's just like stress um and and i did really well and they you know they laughed where i expected them to laugh and then they laughed in other places that i wasn't expecting which (laughs) is so satisfying, but I was also delivering a serious message about kind of stereotypes about women that can hold them back. And, you know, and when I left, uh, when I was walking out for our break in the midday, there were two women in front of me who didn't know I was behind them. And one really agreed with what I was saying and one really disagreed. And I just thought that is so cool that I kind of sparked that conversation. Yeah. And um, and so then after that, once I graduated, I started pitching myself um, for keynotes and the first one i did was in front of 2300 people and um they actually helped me get introduced to my first agent that i have so i I, things fell in place for me uh, but it was a lot of pitching like i think i pitched myself to 20 20 different groups and the one picked me you know so that's kind of kind of how it goes um and then i just you know i kept fine tuning the messaging the format of how i delivered stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, the way i talk with you now is really how i talk on stage because i feel. I feel like I can, you know, there are people have their ideas of what a motivational speaker is. And the reality is that as a 20 something year old race car driver, I can just have a conversation with the audience and I really love it. And it's really cool to kind of see what resonates, what doesn't resonate um, and to get like people ask really great questions. And I, I feel very lucky that, you know, I've been, I can talk to so many different types of audience, whether it's bankers or students or, you know, associations and, they find value and I have a lot of fun doing it and it's a way to pay the bills. So it's no complaints there whatsoever.
0: Yeah. I feel like, uh, whenever I watch like a Ted talk or something, the earpiece that I, I assume you wore one, it's a tan earpiece and it has a little microphone here. I feel like as soon as you put that on, it's like whew, the pressure.
2: You feel like, yeah, but you also feel like a total boss. Cause like I'm oh, important I bet. enough to have this, this like little microphone thing. Um, or got the, the clicker. power. Card. Oh, you have the total power, yeah. Um, and yeah, no, it's um, it's it's cool. It's a fun, it's a fun career to have. Very yeah. daunting though, and nerve-wracking, and like my heart starts racing before I go on stage every time, yeah. even though I know I'm good at it. And uh, it's um, it's cool. The only time I had a really rough audience was when I was I went on at 9 a.m. on the last day of a conference in New York mm. for. Either insurance or bankers, I'm not sure. And they had all gone out the night before. And so like Oof. a lot of people were hungover. It was a rough, yes. rough. Day. Well,
0: it's nice though. Cause I mean, I wasn't aware actually going into this that like that, is that your main source of income? This motivational speaking? That's awesome. That's amazing.
2: Wasn't awesome this year. Was not awesome. <laughs>
0: <this year. laughs> Fair.
2: But yeah, no, it's really cool. And now with, um, you know, the first few that I did virtually were really tough because you don't mm-hmm. have the office. So at least with the audience, you know yeah. you can feel and see if you're doing well, if they're engaged. Like, but you can't do that on virtual. So yeah. luckily, I've done this long enough that I know what works and what doesn't. But anytime I give a new talk or I have to, if a client wants specific things that I haven't talked about before, it's like, well, I hope this works. We'll yeah. see. Um, but now that now we've figured out virtual, it's it's gotten better. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to go back to in person for a lot of reasons. But.
0: It's just so invaluable. Just like, you know, the pandemic has made me and I'm sure you two realize a lot of things. Maybe at the top of the list, none more than the value of face-to-face interaction. It's it is just so damn valuable. Like even just like interviewing drivers on Zoom, it is it's not the same. It's just not. Like seeing your emotions, seeing you, like it's it's night and day. And I I I like that's just interviewing drivers motivational speaking where you feed off a crowd and that is like the lifeblood it's got to be extremely difficult to pivot to virtual that's tough
2: and i think entertainers in general have a very hard time um i I guess i throw myself in that category for the speaking but this has been entertaining
0: for me so yes (laughs) great (laughs) um
2: it's challenging and i think also like human touch is important and you know at the track, when we did well, there were hugs, but we had masks on, so it was okay. Yeah. Um, but like, there's so little of that, and um, yeah, it's just it's you you appreciate the little things that are human nature and that are so important for just general well being that you don't yeah. have.
0: Um, I took it for granted for sure. So much,
2: so much. Yeah,
0: I won't anymore. Know that for sure.
2: Mm-mm. Well, and that's what I like, especially since being home and you know. I was living with my boyfriend's parents, but he was living by himself. And so yeah. now it's like, let me just talk to you as much as I can. Like yeah. there's not <laughs> no Netflix going on right now. Cause it's like, we need to engage. We need to interface. Like, yes. <laughs> so it's, um, and same with my siblings and like my siblings and I have always, we've FaceTimed almost every week since I went away to college. Gosh. Just what we do. That's awesome. And now I feel like it's a lot more. It's like the casual FaceTime during the week being like, Hey, I know you're working at home. Talk <laughs> to me. And, uh, so it's it's
0: fun yeah that's good though is the uh, is the international travel and the flying is that still taking a toll on your body like do you still feel like an old lady or are we improving with that
2: yeah um well I haven't been on an airplane since I flew back the yeah yeah either. um and I didn't fly a lot like I flew over to Europe and then I flew to France right and but then... you
0: stayed there so it wasn't that bad
2: yeah so I drove I drove to Croatia I drove to Belgium yeah and so um, no, it, it's hard those long flights are rough and i feel like yeah. when i turned 26 i feel like that was a year where i really started to notice the physical decline mm-hmm. um and then like i combination of mental and physical fatigue after this year like yeah. when i got home, i just didn't work out until the end the new year and oh my god getting back in shape <laughs> 30 after a month of not exercising oh. is challenging i'm seeing trey at podium performance fitness this week and i gave him a heads up it was like it's gonna be rough like the last, <laughs> i mean i need to, i need a few weeks to build back up yeah.
0: to it we'll see i feel you because uh i'm 25 and i took like two weeks off of like running because i haven't gone to the gym since march so i've just been like trying to run and i'm not a runner let you in on that little secret and i took <laughs> like two weeks off and then i went back at it and i'm just like a half mile in i'm freezing i'm like done i'm just like oh okay, just keep going. Don't start walking. Cause if you start walking, you're going to be done. Yeah. It's bad. So I feel you. It's not fun. It
2: makes you feel better. I love running and I'm a fast runner and all of that. And it's awful. It's all mind over matter for when yeah. you're getting into it.
0: When I get the runner's high and I never thought that I'd be saying that I get a runner's high, but when I do get it at yeah. like that, like 2.73 mile mark, like I'm pretty good. I'm feeling good then.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it takes me about, even when I'm in shape, it takes me a good three quarters of a mile to feel like I'm in a stride. Oh yeah. It's just getting, biology is getting in the way and getting older is harder.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's wrap up here with a couple, couple more things. Um, we've been like pretty introspective and like philosophical here, which I love. And I'm going to throw a couple more at you. Uh, I really don't want to sound like I'm blowing smoke, but like, do you have any realization or appreciation for how much you've accomplished in such a little time span and how impressive you are, like, to me, to other females trying to make it in the industry in general? Like, do you have any concept of that? Or is it more so like you're in it every day and you're doing it, so there's no time to reflect on it?
2: No, I mean, I I, I understand the value I've been able to bring others, and I think that's cool. Good. And I also, I think part of it is that, you know, so much of what we're able to accomplish or like where we start, you know, is based on what we're born into. Right. And no one has control over that. So I think Mm -hmm. being able to recognize what I'm lucky for, what I, you know, what other people might not have. I mean, even just, you know, I have super supportive parents who expect their daughters to be able to achieve everything that their son can achieve. And not everyone is raised with that. So being able to kind of give, Give back what I have been able to experience out of sheer luck. I think that humility has been very helpful for me in, in, in sharing with others. But yeah, I, I know it's, it's cool, and I think, um, and I appreciate you saying that also. And so much is just, you know. I, I hope that by being approachable, although I know I have RBF, so actually, to your point earlier, the mask thing, like you said, it's not good to have a mask <laughs> on. It prevented. I never a lot. noticed the RBF. I sure never noticed it. being taken.
0: That's so um, funny.
2: Um, but no, no. So I do appreciate it. And the thing, you know, there was a over the summer when I didn't know if I was going to be able to go racing and I've been, I had so been looking forward to this season um, for the team, for the series, for the being in Europe and all that stuff. And when I didn't know if I was going to do it and I wasn't doing any speaking. Cause that stuff was like, it just felt like my professional world was crumbling. And my boyfriend was just like, you know, even if you never raced again, you have a pretty good life. And he <laughs> comes from a very different background than I have. And so him saying that was like, Oh my God, you are so right. Like yeah. I, you know, it's 100%. fine to complain about things or feel bad, but in like, my life will be fine. And that was a very liberating thing to feel during the, to hear during the pandemic and then keep in check for the rest of my life. So that was helpful.
0: That is very helpful. And it's very well said. So good to your boyfriend for that. Brownie
2: um, right. points for him.
0: Yes, absolutely. Julia you are a race car driver, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, female empowerment activist, Stanford grad, champion. I mean, as I said in the intro, like there's so many things that you can attach to yourself, but how do you want to be seen? And how do you want to be labeled? If anything, do you have any sense of that? Or is it more so like the impact that you were leaving and continue to leave on people as you just mentioned? that's plenty enough, but I'm curious if you have any specific like desire or want to be seen or looked upon in a certain way.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, in terms of, I definitely think about how people think of me and, you know, if there's a legacy to leave what that is. Um, and I'm naturally a can do person. I think just being known as a go-getter and that also plays in with what I hope to continue to help others with is like, why not just go for it? Why not try? Why not go after it? Um, And uh, so I think that's it. And if I can be known as being fair and if I can be known as being, um, you know, empathetic, I think that's so important right now in like the state of the world, it's very important. And that, you know, that can help teams work better and then that can help societies thrive. And it's just, Everything is collaboration. Everything is working with people. Everything requires that kind of synergy. And so if I can keep doing that, whether it's in racing, whether it's in speaking, whether it's something completely different in 10 years from now, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Um, but I just, I, what drives me primarily is that I don't want to look back and think, hmm, I could have done more to try to get what I wanted or I could have done more to live more fully um you know we we personally dealt with a loss of someone that we cared about this year and it's like well life is short and you know you need to you know do you want to feel proud of what you're doing and i i put that kind of pressure on myself that's how i thrive and i just i want to know that whether it's being fully present with my siblings when i'm with them or if it's doing everything i can on track or if it's you know helping others being intentional with what I'm doing, or if it's very intentionally watching Netflix, like, you know, giving yourself the, the break you need. Yeah. Um, so yeah.
0: It's a good perspective. It's Long good answer to your question, but that's- no, it's, it's totally, totally valid. Totally great answer. Great perspective. And, and that's, uh, it's all true. And I, I think all of us could have a little bit more of that in our lives, especially the last part about just giving yourself five or 10 minutes or in a little bit here and there to just relax and turn everything off.
2: And that's, you know, living in Europe, especially for a little bit, and comparing with my boyfriend, like, we are so production, productive-based, or sorry, productivity-focused in the U.S., yeah. right? And, and I think that's good for a lot of things. Um, but you need to take time off. No one's brain can just keep going all the time. Yeah. So whatever that is, that time you take for yourself just to be creative or to be unwinding, so important. I sleep like eight to nine hours a night like it you can use a lot and it, but again it's like a it's something that i prioritize because i'm yeah. gonna pissy otherwise so
0: oh yeah and,
2: and you know it's you you make time for the things that are important
0: yeah you do i mean the the u.s in general is just go 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 get this done get this done look to the next thing i'm guilty of it i do it all the time and you know especially being from manhattan i mean i don't know what your household was like but the stereotype of Manhattan and a lot of friends that I have that are from the city—they're the same way, except to the nth degree. So it's—it's it's just like ingrained in everybody from a certain age and from that perspective. But I'm glad that you have that mindset of things, and I'm gonna—I'm gonna try to adopt that too. So, so and it's so hard
2: that. when everyone else is like go 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 also because you don't want yeah. to fall because you,
0: you, you don't want to get you—you don't want to fall behind. You know?
2: Oh, no, it's, it's hard. hard. It's hard.
0: All right, let's lighten up the mood a little bit. I need, I need some because race car gear and I need it now. So I'm going to have to go to your website and get something. I need a mask. I need a shirt, something. I love this trend. You've been doing it for a while too.
2: I love it. Yeah. During the pandemic, um, I, I forget, I was filming for a promotional video for a speaking thing and I had my suit on and everything. And then I just decided, Hmm, I'm sitting on my couch with my suit. I was like, okay. So my first picture was me on my couch with my phone and my helmet on being like, how's your quarantine going? And or something like that. And people really liked it. So I just turned into my fully suited up attire doing daily household things. And people really liked it. And I use the hashtag because race car. So we have a fun shirt. We've got a mask, which is super soft. I will say it's really nice in winter. So, so yeah, I love it. Thank you.
0: Because race car,
2: because race car, everything is race car.
0: So this past year, you're traveling the world, kind of, even though you were kind of stuck in Europe, but I could think of worse places to be stuck. Um, You're driving there, you're racing. What's next for you? Like, do you have any plans for this upcoming year, 2021, as we speak on Wednesday, January 13th? Do you have any irons in the fire? I know you have some, but do you have anything that you can announce yet and anything you're looking forward to for this year?
2: Yeah, nothing with racing that I can announce. I'm working hard to get the sponsorship to go back to the Euro series Mm because that would be incredible um and continuing speaking and just trying to you know take each day as it comes and uh, but working really hard to get back on track because i'm not ready to stop yet
0: see that was like the first race car driver answer that i got out of you and we've been talking for like an hour and a half so that's good
2: what do you mean? First race car driver? Answer? Well,
0: I don't know. Race car drivers always have this answer where I'm like, Oh, so what are you doing next year? Do you have any irons on the fire? They're like, we're just trying to secure some sponsors. Oh, we're yeah. Really excited <laughs> for the future. You know, we're just going to keep at it. One of those. Trust things. me. If
2: I had something to announce, everyone would know, but yeah, I know. <laughs> I
0: know. I know. That's, you know. that's
2: the grind. You know, you know, as well as I do, it's just, it's getting the funding to go yeah. racing. And as I yeah. mentioned, my parents weren't going to pay for this forever. So uh, right. being an adult's hard.
0: Last question. Um, I heard in another interview that you did, you know, success in racing as a driver for you, you know, not necessarily is going to be labeled as winning X amount of races or getting to the cup series, winning a championship, whatever. What you said that, you know, success for you would essentially be getting paid to race full time and making income from racing. And unfortunately, we haven't gotten there yet. You're doing great for yourself in terms of the motivational speaking and you series, you're killing it. But I'm curious, you know, you said that a few years ago and now you're 29, you're establishing what you're doing. Yeah. Is that still the goal for you? Is, is the goal still to, you know, get a full time seat in NASCAR or racing in general and get paid that way? Is that going to be success for you in racing or have your, have your rules and your morals and I guess your, your outlook on things have they changed a little bit
2: that is a good question um and i clearly remember saying that and yeah i mean that's still the ultimate goal and like for me personally like i know i'm not going to keep driving forever i mm-hmm. know that in you know sometime in the future i'm not going to keep doing it um family reasons whatever it's hard to drive if you have kids right it's not not a right now thing very clear. Not right now, thing. Your
0: boyfriend's listening. Not right now. All right.
2: Yeah. Not right now. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> so, but it's it's something that women have to think about. Yeah. And so, um, so I'm I'm aware of that. But it's still, yeah. I'd still like to get paid to go racing. I wouldn't say that I was an unsuccessful race car driver because I if I don't get to that point, Um, you know, two championships, dozens of wins. I'm very proud of myself. I would love to get a third championship. Now two is a kind of weird number. It'd be nicer to have like a nice, a nice three. I'm on board. Um, So, but no, I mean, I haven't been as successful as I would have liked to. I mean, obviously I think if you're a race car driver, who has been pursuing it since you were 10, like by the time you're in your late twenties, you want to be, you know, at the cup series, whatever. I haven't gotten that, but no, I'm proud of myself and trying to, be a little more humble, I guess. But yeah, no, I mean I still I'd still like to get paid to go racing. Um, i still like to be able to get more wins. Um, but I will be a little lighter on myself and not consider myself <laughs> unsuccessful because you know, because this is where I am.
0: Because race car.
2: Because race car, exactly.
0: You can use it for anything, really.
2: Literally anything.
0: Nah, that's why we love it.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Justify well, this- any action with because race car.
0: There we go. Yeah i'm down with it so this is uh this has been great julie it's been great to just like catch up with you honestly because it's been forever i think the last time i saw you was like yeah thank you for that i think the last time i saw you was at the awards banquet in 2019 and it's been a minute since then
2: oh yeah 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 oh i'm also so bummed we didn't have one of those i know i know
0: (laughs) but it's been fun thank you for thank you for taking the time oh my god i mean it's been one of the longest interviews i've done on the podcast so God, this is, uh, it's been a thrill for me. Thank you so much. Uh, getting to learn a little bit more about you. I hope everybody listening did as well. And, uh, I don't know, just keep killing it. You, you don't need to hear that from me, but like you really are just killing it. So privileged to know you, privileged to work with you. And I'm looking forward to more because race car content in the future and hopefully championship number three.
2: That's right. Thank you. Can't wait to see you at the track next time.
0: And we're back. Hope you enjoyed that conversation guys. I know after part one, you're probably saying, ah, God, I have to wait another week for part two. If anybody was saying that, it was probably just imaginary people in my mind, but sorry that I made you wait. I just thought it was too good to do in one sitting. So we needed to break it up a little bit and share the wealth. You know what I mean? I mean, we had all those stories last episode about Survivor and the vanilla rant and how she got into racing being from Manhattan and all these different things, and this week was was no different. Talked about the Forbes 30 Under 30 list, being an ambassador for women in motorsports worldwide, truly. Getting over to Europe, breaking the language barrier, learning on the fly, behind the eight ball with no practice, no on-track time, but she did it with flying colors. And I'm glad we got an explanation on the lady trophy because when I saw that for the first time, me and a couple of my buddies were like, uh this is kind of questionable. But again, she cleared that up for us. So, I want to thank her for her conversation and her time, her honesty, candor. Seriously, I told her, but I mean, nobody gives me an hour and a half of their time. That's insane. I think only one or two other guests in Victory Lane have done that. It's been Chase cabry and Heather Debo. So, Julia, you're in good company, my friend. Uh seriously, thank you for your time. Thank you for your honesty, your candor. It was great to catch up, see your face virtually, albeit And I know I'll be seeing you and talking with you soon. Look, that's of the week. But before we cue that funky music, I have a PSA. At The Honest Truth left me a review on Apple Podcasts. I have no idea who you are. I really want to find out, though. So please hit me up. Said it's great. Glad I stumbled upon this pod. Love the convos. Looking forward to listening as we get this 2021 season going. Now for that Motor Trend sub, question mark, LOL. Well, the honest truth, I have some news for you. I'm pretty sure that the codes that I got still are valid, but there's only one way to find out because nobody has claimed them yet. You're the first one. So congratulations. You possibly, hopefully, if the code still works, Have a free trial to the Motor Trend app to watch NASCAR all in. Hit me up. Text me if you know my number. If you don't, please tweet at me and say that you are the honest truth and you wrote the review on Apple Podcasts or message me on Facebook, Instagram. Get a hold of me in some way, shape, or form, and I will get you hooked up. I will hit you back, and we will get that all squared away. I appreciate it sincerely. Really, literally, like, brought such a smile on my face seeing somebody write a review. So I appreciate that. The honest truth. That is the honest truth. Now, cue that funky music, white boy. A lot of lug nuts this week, just like last week. A lot of silly season going on. Still, Cody Ware is going to run full-time for Rick Ware Racing, sponsorship from Nerdec ODT. Josh Balicki is going to join him with Rick Ware Racing running full-time. He's going to be in the 52 car, Ware in the 51. James Davison is likely to run at least two-thirds of the cup schedule for Rick Ware Racing as well. And, of course, things come in fours. Joey Gase is returning to the organization for an unspecified number of races this upcoming season. Runner-up in the Arkham Menard Series West Point standings for Sunrise Forward Blaine Perkins He's going to run part-time at least six races for our Motorsports in the number 03 entry. Tyler Reddick is going to pilot that car in the season opener at Daytona, and I believe that they are trying to get that car full-time for this upcoming season. Thor Sport Racing in the Truck Series and Ford Performance are parting ways after three seasons together. They're expected to rejoin Toyota, which I believe leaves David Gillen Racing as the lone Ford truck team in the Camping World Truck Series. FR8, or Freight Auctions, I don't know how it's pronounced, they're going to sponsor Michael McDowell for six races in the Cup Series for Front Row Motorsports this year. Cody Vanderwall will not be returning to Jimmy Means Racing next season due to funding issues, unfortunately, for that former K&M Pro Series West winner. Henderson Motorsports, they're going to field entries at Daytona for Parker Kligerman and the Daytona Road Course for reigning and two-time Arkmanard Series East champion and Truck Series winner Sam Mayer. Chris Cockrum's going to run the full... Chris Cockrum's going to run the season-opening Daytona Xfinity Series race and possibly some more events this season. Haley Deegan is going to run the number one truck, news broken by yours truly, this week for David Gillen Racing in 2021. She ran the 17 last year in her lone truck start at Kansas. Speaking of DGR, Taylor Gray was fined 1,000 big ones for using his cell phone during the ARCA test at Daytona. Former guest on Victory Lane. We do not condone that, Taylor. Uh, unfortunate circumstance there. Hopefully, he learned his lesson. Jamie McMurray, former Daytona 500 winner, coming out of semi retirement, can erase the Daytona 500 for Chip Ganassi Racing in partnership with Spire Motorsports in the 77 entry next month. Dixie Vodka is going to sponsor Cole Custer for two races as a primary and associate for the rest of the year. Main and Tail is going to do the same for multiple races for Quinn Huff, starting with the Daytona 500. The 2021 Drivers Edge Development Class was announced for Junior Motorsports, partnership with GMS Racing and Chevrolet as well. You got Noah Gregson, Sam Mayer, Tyler Ankrum, Sheldon Creed, Zane Smith, new members Chase Purdy, Raphael Lassard, Jack Wood, and Will A few more lug nuts for this week for you guys. Scott Borchetta is starting an Xfinity Series team called Big Machine Racing, and Jade Buford is going to drive that car, the number 48. Luke Combs is going to perform a pre-race concert of the season opening Daytona 500. Good for that. Cody Rohrbar and CR7 Motorsports are going to be returning to the Truck Series for at least 16 races this year. Ty Dillon is going to attempt to qualify for the 500 for Gaunt Brothers Racing in the 96. So is Austin Sindrick for Penske in the 33. Miles Stanley's going to recruit Chief for that. Ryan Ellis is going to race for BJ McLeod Motorsports in a limited Xfinity series schedule in the 99 car this year. Ally Financial is going to sponsor the Cup Series race at Nashville in a multi-year agreement. Vinny Miller is going to run a part-time schedule for BJ McLeod Motorsports in Xfinity as well. And Mason Diaz will pilot the 74 car for Visconti Motorsports in the Arkham and Art Series East this season with Tommy Baldwin set to crew chief. Whew, a lot of news and notes this week. A lot of lug nuts to tighten. Glad we're going to a single lug for the next gen because, God, my arms are tired of doing that. Zing, 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 zing. That was a bad joke. It fell flat. I apologize. Thank you guys for tuning in this week, episode 91 of Victory Lane 2.0. If you like what you heard today, do what the Honest Truth did and leave a rating and a review On your favorite podcast platform of choice, we should be available wherever you get podcasts for your consumption. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, anywhere you usually consume them, we should be available there. And if we're not, drop me a line and I'll try to rectify that issue for you. But in the meantime, next week we'll have on another guest from the world of NASCAR. Daytona is right around the corner, party people. Stay safe. Stay inside. Keep washing those hands. Listen to whatever our new President Biden says. He's trying to get us all healthy out there, and I'll catch you on the flip side.